Hello, this is Peter Woolfolk. First, let me say thank you so much for being a listener. Now, I want to alert you to our shiny new podcast website located at podpage.com. However, you can go directly to the podcast site located at www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. There, you can contact me through email. You can leave a voice message. You can leave a review. You can read an episode blog and frequently learn about the podcast guests. You might also want to suggest podcast topic ideas or even suggest a guest. You can also let me know if you would like to receive our podcast listener logo that you can post on your social media. So I look forward to hearing from you about our new podcast website, www.publicrelationsreviewpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Public Relations Review Podcast and have a great day. Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review Podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review Podcast and to our listeners all across America and around the world. Now, we as public relations people certainly understand the value of good public and media relations. Many external organizations also understand for the need for good media and public relations, and that's the focus of our program today. Law enforcement in the state of Montana held a four-and-a-half-day media and public relations training program so they can help their members understand the benefits of and how to promote a positive image and generate support among the public for law enforcement. My guest today is Wayne Dubois. He is the undersheriff of the Flathead County Sheriff's Department, and of course, they're located in Flathead County, Montana. He organized the FBI LEADA, that is L-E-E-D-A program. Wayne, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. So first, explain to our listeners exactly what is the FBI LEADA program. Well, basically, FBI LEADA, they provide training for all levels of, of law enforcement. They do a lot of training for the, at the administrative level on down. So this particular course is, was a need for us and a course that they provided and has really good feedback. So we, we wanted to host the course and get people in it. Okay. Now, why, is it, why do you believe, and from, from your point of view, it's necessary that uh, law enforcement folks engage in public relations and media relations training? How do you benefit from that? Well, there's a, there's a lot of benefits, actually. You know, first off, we, we work for the, the citizens. You know, our, our job is to provide safety and security to our community. And so in the process of doing that, you obviously you, you want to be very transparent and you want to have good and positive communication with, with the public. Mm-hmm. And so this course obviously kind of covered the kind of the, the gamut of current methods and ways to do that. But there's a, there, there's a principle, you know, it's referred to as the 10th principle, and it's really about preserving the public trust. And so we can't go out and just, you know, on a loudspeaker give every, you know, detail of everything that we do. 
but we can certainly keep the public informed as to what we're doing and you know and that that helps to build that trust and have engagement between us and the community that we serve and you know and we're really just fight against having you don't want an antagonistic relationship with any aspect of your community so that that's why it's important okay now how was attendance at the program i know you had folks there for four and a half days was uh, was it well attended yeah well we had uh you know COVID obviously has caused a hit Th- this particular course i believe the maximum for it was 24 people and we had, I believe, 14 that were registered for the course. Okay. Now, in terms of the trainers for this program, did uh, when uh, if you're talking about media relations, a lot of times it's good to have somebody from the media maybe doing that. So did you bring in maybe some radio, TV, or newspaper people to help with that training uh, in that aspect? Uh, so we advertised it. We didn't have any of those folks uh, that had registered, but we, we certainly advertised that we just like I said we just didn't have anybody that decided to send anyone to it from from the media. Okay, so let's talk about going about uh, promoting a positive image. What sort of steps did you advise the uh, your attendees to take in the process of promoting a positive image for any law enforcement department? Well, uh, you obviously you every organi- uh, law enforcement organization has an image, uh, you know, and and I that could be good or bad. But you obviously want to work towards a positive image for your organization, uh, and, and that you know that branding, so to speak. That the goal is that that leads to a positive perception of your organization. So again, multiple ways to do that. What you know, one very basic that occurs often is frequent news releases. You know, uh, on on things that are pertinent that the public should be aware of, or keeping them informed, you know, as to the activities of your organization. For instance, out here, you know, it's a fairly small community, you know, when you compare it to big cities. uh, Our population in the county is roughly 103,000 or 103,000 residents, according to the last census. So there's a little bit of this small town feel, but the reality is, is we have, you know, our own share of, of big issues. So, you know, putting those news releases out when we have violent crime so people are aware that these things are actually going on. So it kind of maybe seems counterintuitive that that would be positive to put it out, but what it does is it can serve to uh, garner support with with the public, which is is important. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, you've got your social media is huge now, so having having a Facebook page, uh, and, and we do a Facebook page where we can put out information and we you know, we use that in a little bit of a different way, you know, so it doesn't, that the Facebook page doesn't have all the news releases on it, but, you know, we highlight employees, we talk about things that we're doing with the community and, and all of those kind of things. In addition to that, you know, Instagram and then also like Twitter, uh, we use Twitter for putting information out to the public, especially during incidents that are in progress. So that's kind of a, a quick overview of, of ways to you know, create that positive image. Mm-hmm. I would think, uh, since we're you know doing this broadcast uh, during the uh, holiday season, that perhaps when scams <clears throat> pop up, of different ways people are trying to uh, underhandedly uh, take your money away from you. Do you let people know that uh, this is a scam that we are aware of? We want you to be careful about it and look out for this. Absolutely, yeah. And and we typically what will occur is we'll get 
two or three calls on a day and it'll be the same type of a scam. So we'll run that scam down and, and we kind of figure out the details of it, what's occurring, and we'll put that out on right away on social media. Sometimes we'll do a news release and just basically warn the public that, you know, like you said, it's a scam and don't, don't fall for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things that goes on in terms of uh, media relations and public relations, of course, is identifying what we call opinion influence influencers, because people do listen to who some of these people are. Did you develop any sort of process, if you will, for helping to these influencers to understand what it is you do and uh, sort of make comment positive comments on that to the public? Um, it, I think indirectly uh, we, we, we have, and a lot of that is as you gain contacts in your, like your social media followings, you can, you can do it in, in that respect. Uh, I've personally found that like uh, Instagram, uh, you have the ability there to make a lot of contacts with people, you know, up to and including influencers that you may not uh, have been able to otherwise. And so on occasion, you know, we will meet with those individuals or go to a training with those individuals and it gives them a better opportunity to, you know, kind of see what we're doing. And then, of course, the hope is that you get uh, positive output from them regarding what you're doing. And we've been pretty successful in in that regard. Mm-hmm. Now, of those who came to this event, did they express a need to or a desire to get training in any particular areas, either collectively or individually, that was important for them in their particular uh, law enforcement capacity? Yeah, I think the primary sentiment is, you know, being able to get in front of the camera or have that, that person that is maybe your assigned PIO be able to get in front of the camera and give the correct information at the right time and get comfortable with, with mm-hmm. doing that. And there, there's scenarios that are run uh, during the course where you actually do that. But I think, you know, especially when it comes to a PIO, uh, holistically looking at it, really, uh, it really is the, the gamut, right? So it's not just about getting in front of the camera on those bigger incidents, which do occur, but like out here, you know, they don't occur as often. So if if that's all your PIO is doing, they're going to spend a lot of time sitting around. So they're, 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 the other part was, I, I think, by and large, everybody wants to make sure that social media platforms are being leveraged, mm-hmm. you know, the best that they can be. So getting back to the part of being in front of the camera, having been involved in the government myself, I, I understand that, uh, yes, the PIO for the most part is going to be your uh, – your public face in terms of responding to things, but there are times because of the gravity of it or the, the seriousness of it that the head of an organization has to actually show up and say some things to, to let people know that uh, you're taking that seriously. So did you or have you made provisions for, the you know, let's say, the chief or assistant chief or whoever at that level to also get some media training? Uh, well, <laughs> so I guess I'm going to, throw my sheriff under the bus. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, sheriff, the sheriff, he did not sign up for the training, but to his defense, currently we are actually working towards trying to get a full-time PIO or mm-hmm. at least a part-time, which is, it's, it's a little bit more difficult 
I think, with a lot of organizations in Montana because many of them are very small. And it's really hard to convince uh, a city administrator or county, uh, county commissioners that this is important enough to fund. But we're working towards that. But having said that, the sheriff, he's, uh, he's normally the guy that will get on camera as it is. So he's, he's actually pretty good at that, and he's been doing that for quite some time. So mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess in his defense... He's, he does pretty well at it already. And I think that's the important thing, too, that people can see that they're comfortable. And uh, quite honestly, we know that, that it's important because when you've seen some other national incidents, I think if we look back at Boeing, that 7, 737 MAX issue that they had, the president really never got out in front early on on this thing. You know, particularly when they found out that some, some matters were, were hidden, uh, not hidden, I, I don't think I should say, but... Uh, they weren't fully, didn't fully disclose a lot of things, or they pushed some things to the side. And once the public got aware of that, I mean, I think that really infuriated them. And then the, the president or the CEO had to get out and really put out flames, as compared to you know having dealt with this honestly up front. So that there certainly are precedents, precedents for uh, having uh, leaders, uh, you know, get out front early on for major problems. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and. Uh... You know, I, I was I worked in law enforcement in Washington, uh, pretty much my entire career before coming out here, and you know it was pretty standard, at least in, in law enforcement. A maintain work to maintain positive relationships with the media outlets, mm-hmm. and you know get out get out in front of things and put that information out there, and that that's a part of the transparency. And you've seen you don't have to look very far, really, if you look back over the last ten years. You can see many incidents where law enforcement was just silent about major incidents, and it ultimately was a, a huge factor in causing a lot of problems when had they just got out in front and said, hey, this is the information that we have, this is what occurred, we're investigating this, that, and the other thing, and then kept those frequent updates, probably could have avoided a lot of the problems. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree with you. So then let me ask you then, so crisis communication, was that actually a part of this program as well? Yes. Yeah, that okay. was, uh, that's day, day three crisis communications is covered. Well, because, that, you know, as we said, and I think we both agree that, uh, you know, if crisis communications is mishandled, you can probably have a much bigger problem than, than you would have had if you'd gotten in front of it. And I think we both agree that Getting in front of a problem is important. Whether you have all the information or not is not important. I shouldn't say it's not important, but the fact that you don't have it, let people know, but once I get it, I will give it to you. And folks are pretty much accepting of that particular approach. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, by and large, that's, that's accurate. And, you know, for, for example, and, and I'm going to draw on my, my previous experience in Washington and just kind of systematically how it, it occurred where I worked. And, and we had a fair amount of officer-involved shootings. So you're going to, you know, obviously that's big news. And it was pretty much standard that when there was an officer-involved shooting, you know, you had as immediately as possible, you had some type of, of a release. Generally, by the end of the day, uh, the officer's names were, were put out there. That's at least how it worked there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as that investigative team starts to get a pretty thorough picture you know, within a day or so, probably the next day, they would have a, a little bit better uh, briefing to the media. And then when that investigation was essentially concluded, you know, there's some things that take, can take months to do, 
like getting blood results. Eh, that might not take a month, but mm-hmm. take some time. But whenever you had basically start to finish what occurred, you would see the Chiefs, you know, put out a pretty detailed timeline of events and uh, talk about the circumstances that they could. And I think to your point, it really served to show that, hey, we're not, they're not hiding anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is what happened. And, you know, and that, that can become important. I think, like, when you have circumstances like a suspect pulls a gun that looks like a real gun but isn't. You know, and if you stay silent on stuff like that, what do you think the public, or at least a portion of the public, mm-hmm. is going to do? They're going to say, oh, they're hiding something. Why didn't they tell us this right away? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it really, I don't know that it serves a lot of purpose to hold the information unless they're, it's in, still an active investigation and that would compromise the investigation, mm-hmm. if, if you know what I mean. I certainly do. And I think the way you've explained that perhaps goes a long way to helping the public understand, you know, here's why we can't do something here. And once we are in a position to, we will. As a PR person myself, one of the things I advise clients is never to say no comment. You can comment, but within boundaries. Uh, as, exactly. uh, you know, to say, well, fine, I can't give you information on this now because, uh, and, and cite whatever that reason is. And then once we're in a position to respond, we'll be more than happy to get back to you. People are understanding of that. And as you said, because if they think that you're hiding something, then the, the flame just gets a little bit bigger and, and causes a, a bit more of a problem for you. Yeah, yeah, very true. And, and I agree that the, the no comment thing is just, uh, honestly, it, it's a thing of the past. It should be a thing of the past. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, I just, it, and we just, I just had a conversation about this last week too. And yeah, I, I think generally that should be avoided. And like you said, just explain why and, you know, let them know that as soon as you can, you'll get them that info, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, have you had any uh, tricky situations uh, in, in your experiences in law enforcement where your public relations background and understanding and skills really came into play? Um, yeah, I mean, I so again, going to my previous experience, we were a little bit different because it was commonplace for the on-duty patrol supervisor to to give a quick media spot. And, you know, obviously if it was a, a major, major thing, that would not be the case. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we would often get media calling and saying, hey, can we do a quick interview with you? And I'm talking about myself when I was a patrol sergeant about this incident. And, you know, of course we had parameters on when it would exceed that, but that was common. So I became fairly accustomed to getting in front of the camera and discussing you know, the, the information that we could discuss. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I, I don't, I can't recall any particular incident, but I think just over time doing multiple, it you get comfortable with it and you get comfortable interacting with those media people, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And so, but I think that that's important. And I'm trying, we're not there yet, but we're trying to move that direction here because oftentimes when the media calls, you know, it, it's going to be a wait for a commander or the chief or sheriff, depending on what it is. So mm-hmm. if you actually want something on camera, again, depending on the severity of it, you are you may be waiting a while to get a commander or someone else. So, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think one of the other things that I'm hearing you say is that de- you're developing a relationship with the media certainly helps because once they see that you you actually do what you say you're going to do, that 
builds a comfort level, and they're a bit more tolerant. Uh, they're not trying to trap you, and they understand how how you you know maybe the limitations you have. Uh, but being comfortable with and having a positive relationship with the media can go a long, long way for any organization. Yeah, no, it totally can. And um, again, my previous experience, I saw that for years and years and years. Um, one thing that that did occur since I've been out here is we had uh, earlier this year, we had an officer involved shooting where a suspect actually shot at some of our SWAT team officers first. And there was a particular media outlet that I, I'll just leave them unnamed. They're not based in my town. And they were effectively, and it wasn't a, it was a, like a supervisor. It wasn't a re- reporter, so to speak. They were emailing the sheriff and effectively demanding certain information. Mm-hmm. And some of which we just couldn't give. And, you know, my sheriff continued to email back and say, hey, look, we're, we're totally willing to talk with you but we cannot give you some of this information right now, mm-hmm. but we can sit down with you and you know, talk with you and give you any reasonable information that you need to help you draw a picture. And we kind of started getting the uh, idea that they were, they were really trying to make this story to something that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, you know, but we continued, we made multiple attempts to have a meeting. We actually had it scheduled on a couple of different times and then that person backed out of it. But I think to your point, even though, you know, this was, had the potential for kind of putting a, we believe they were trying to put a negative light on what occurred Mm -hmm. because they didn't have all the information. We tried to, you know, have that in-person meeting and develop that relationship. And unfortunately in this case, this person just didn't, they didn't seem interested to do that. Consequently that they never did any report really on it. But, you know, we recognize that importance and we really strive to maintain good relationships with those reporters out here, and that's served us well. Mm-hmm. Well, Wayne, you have, first of all, thank you for your time today, and you have gone a very long way in helping our listeners to understand how uh, law enforcement is doing its part to uh, build better relationships uh, with the public. So want to thank you for that and ask you if you might have any closing comments you'd like to make. Um, just... Uh, Appreciate you uh, asking me uh, to to do this. I was actually kind of kind of flattered that you reached out, and yeah, I mean, I think just kind of the whole theme of this conversation is it's very important, and I think never more important than in today's day and age for law enforcement to to work to have a good capacity for putting information out in a transparent way to the public, and and that should serve to to help you. And I would encourage all law enforcement organizations to do that. Okay. Well, again, my guest today has been Wayne Dubois. He is the undersheriff of the Flathead County Sheriff's Department, and, of course, they're in Flathead County, Montana. And if you've enjoyed the show, we certainly would appreciate a review from you. And, of course, let your friends know. And look for us again on the next edition of the Public Relations Review Podcast. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Hi, this is Peter Woolfolk speaking. Now, first of all, thank you so very much for listening to the podcast. 
Now, I am very excited to let you know that the podcast is now available on Amazon Alexa. You know the drill. Simply say, Alexa, play Public Relations Review Podcast, and she'll take it from there. And again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the program, please become a subscriber. Now, on to the podcast.